Hello, everybody. Welcome to Summit Church here in Fenton, and so glad you've joined us today. Hey, um, we've been studying about the kings of the Old Testament, and we've been learning lessons from them. And do you ever think about the, the Bible says for Christians, we've been made kings and priests under the Lord. So we're kings under the Lord through Jesus Christ. And so since we're kings, we can go to the Old Testament. And the Old Testament was written, you know, uh, uh, for many reasons, but one reason uh, as examples for us, you know. We can learn from the Old Testament. I know we don't live in the Old Covenant, but we can learn from the Old Covenant. We live in the New Covenant, but we're kings here under the New Covenant through Jesus. But we can go to the Old Covenant and learn lessons from those kings back there. And we can learn things that they did uh, good and do those things. And then we can learn things that they didn't do good and avoid those things. So that's what we've been doing for many, many weeks here now. We've been talking about the kings of the Old Testament. Remember uh, Judah, uh, well, you had Israel, United Kingdom, and Saul was the first king, the next one, then after him was David, and then Solomon, and then it split under Solomon's son, and uh, went into two separate kingdoms. You had Israel then in the north, and Judah in the south, and they each had kings, their respective kings, and we've been looking at, at each of them as we've gone through. We finished up the kings in the north, but we still have some in the south in Judah. Last week we talked about Uzziah. If you've missed any of those, you can go on our archives and, and catch up. And uh, if you've missed any of the kings of the past that we've covered, you can go on our archives and catch up. But let's pick up with Uzziah's son today, King Jotham uh, of Judah, of course. And there's not that much about him, but a few things. In Second Chronicles 27, verse 1 said, Jotham was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name is given. And notice verse 2, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So that's good. He was a, he was a good king. And according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Now, now note, note this next part here. Although he did not enter the temple of the Lord. Now, now you ought to underline that. You see, uh, Jotham learned a lesson from his father. And uh, that's what this series is all about. Learning lessons from these kings. And Jotham learned a lesson from his father. Remember last week, Uzziah, the king, he wanted to be a priest and he went into the temple to burn incense and it cost him, didn't it? And leprosy broke out on his, we don't want leprosy to break out on our foreheads, do we? Absolutely not. And so, so Jotham saw that happen to his father, Uzziah, so he didn't make that same mistake. See, and uh, because remember Uzziah was, again, he was a king. He wanted to be the priest and he wasn't supposed to do that. And it cost him. Well, Jotham learned from that. And it said, he said, let's read what the Bible says here. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, although he did not enter the temple of the Lord. And I guess not after he saw what happened to his father. But uh, so, so he learned a good lesson. Uh, but still the people acted corruptly. And, and if you missed that last week on Uzziah, you ought to go back and, and, and listen to that. I think it is very, very interesting. But anyway, verse 6. So Jotham, now watch this. Jotham became mighty. Now let's see why he became mighty. We saw that his father became mighty last week because he sought the Lord. But Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. And uh, some other, that's a new King James, but some other translations say he, he became mighty because he walked steadfastly before the Lord. Another translation said that he was careful to live in obedience to the Lord. Another translation said that he did not waver in obeying the Lord. Yet another translation said that uh, he was rooted in his steady and determined life of obedience to God. And then yet another translation says he was determined to please God, to please God. So, so you see, if you want to become mighty, you set your, yourself to seek the Lord and please him and obey him and God will make you mighty. Anyway, that's really all we have on Jotham that I'm going to cover. Now, Uzziah and Jotham had built Judah up and it was prospering like in the days of David and Solomon. And so, uh, so that was a good thing. But then came Jotham's son, King Ahaz, and he was an evil, evil, evil guy. He's a bad, a bad king. And notice Second Chronicles 28, verse 1. And, and let me just note this, and I've said it before, but it will say it again. 
because it bears repetition, that you can have a good father and an evil son. Or you can have an evil father and a good son. And just because the parents are good doesn't mean the children are going to be good and vice versa. So uh, remember, it, it, it comes down, we've covered this before, but it bears repetition. It comes down to what is in each individual's heart, okay, and, and to what decisions they make. And so you would think, well, if you had a good father, you'd have a good son, but, <laughs> but that's not the case. Uh, uh, and, and that should help parents out there that are listening that you may be good, good Christians, good people, and you've raised your children the best that you can, and they're not, you know turning out the way you thought that they would, well, a lot of times parents will beat themselves up over that, but, uh, but don't beat yourself up. You know, you see it right here in Scripture. You can have a good, good, good parents and, and not so good kids. But, but hang on this verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Just hang on that. That's the best you can do. But notice here with Ahaz, Second Chronicles 28, verse 1. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his uh, ancestor David had done. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made molded images for the Baals. Those were false gods. He burnt... Now watch this. Now this, this is really... This is, and this was going on in Israel, what we're about to read under Jezebel and all of that. But watch this. He burnt, verse 3, he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire. He burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Now here in the sanctuary, you won't be able to see this on social media, unfortunately. But here in the sanctuary, I have a, a graphic here that if you can, uh, the folks here in the sanctuary, you can look up and see. Unfortunately, you can't see this on social media, sorry. But anyway, you see, isn't that horrible? You've got, you, you have King Ahaz standing there with a little baby in his hand. And he's placing his baby in the hands of this, this large uh, human image sitting on this, this throne or this chair. And it's the body of a human, uh, the face of a, like a bull or of an ox with horns. And, uh, and he's placing the baby, this king is placing the baby in the hands of this, of this, uh, this image. And you can see him setting the baby, offering the baby in sacrifice, laying the baby in the hands of this, 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 this golden idol, this demonic thing. And, uh, and, and it was actually the name of this uh, idol was called Molech. Molech. And uh, it was a bronze statue in the form of a human, but with the head of an ox. And now listen to this. Children or babies, babies were placed in the structure, in the hands of this, of this uh, idol, which was then heated with fire from below. And it, and it burned. It burned the children. It burned the babies. And drums were pounded in the background. They played drums in the background to drown out the cries of the children as they were burned to death. And they would sacrifice their children to, these false, to this false god, Molech. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just don't have words for, for that. Uh, I don't understand that. I am not capable of understanding that. How you could take your baby, your son, your, you know, your child, uh, and take them up there and lay them in the hands of that ugly looking thing and let them be burned. Uh, it, 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 I don't understand that. And that happened again and again. It happened in Israel. It happened here under Ahaz in Judah. And it happened again and again and again. And uh, I, I don't understand worshiping uh, an idol. I don't, I don't understand how people can bow down to a totem pole or bow down to some, some carved image. I don't, I don't understand how people can bow down and worship the sun or the moon or the stars. You know, we ought to be worshiping the one who created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And when I say worship the sun there, I'm talking about the, the star that burns, you know. I, but people will worship the, the stars and, and uh, 
You, you think about the first commandment God gave to have no other gods before him and don't make any graven images and bow down before him. But uh, God understood the fallen human nature and he warned about that. Uh, so I don't understand bowing down to, a, to, a, to, a, to an image. I don't understand that. But what I really don't understand even beyond that is how you could take your, your son, your child, your daughter, your children up and lay them in the hands of that thing. I wish you on social media could see that. And there's the king there, Ahaz, laying, laying the baby in the hands of that ugly looking thing. And that baby's going to be burned and the drums would beat in the background to, to drown out the cries. And the, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. You know, and we, we, we look at that. And we, we think how horrible and how terrible and how bad that, that is. But we've got something just as tragic going on in the United States of America. And it's called abortion. Yeah. It's just uh, here in the United States, it's done with surgical instruments, vacuums that will suck babies' brains out of their head and in the mother's womb and so forth. And uh, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And uh, I'll say it again. I was talking to a friend of mine some years ago and I said, the United States is a great nation. And he stopped me. Now, he was, he's a veteran. He loves the United States and so do I. And he's, I said, the United States is a great nation. And he stopped me and he called me terror. He said, terror? He said, is any nation great that kills as many babies as we've killed in the abortion clinics? Amen. Can any nation be great that does that? No. Can any nation continue in the blessing of God that does that, that legalizes that? No. And that goes on here in the United States. And uh, it's no different than what we see up there. I mean, it's different in its appearance, but it's no different at its root. And do you know who's behind all that? The devil's behind it all. Yes. And you need to remember this and understand this about the devil. He is a baby killer. And you see him killing babies throughout the, throughout the Bible. And uh, now if you're out there and you've had an abortion, I want to tell you God loves you. And if you've repented of that, you know, your baby's with the Lord. God loves you. And, uh, you know, don't do it again. But I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm one minister, and I know there's a lot of them in the nation, but I'm one that's going to cry out and continue to cry out against, against the sin of abortion. It's, uh, it's unacceptable. And uh, until uh, the Roe versus Wade is un overturned in this nation, uh, and, and by the way, until the same-sex marriage is, uh, is, is put back like it's supposed to be. Amen. You know, in other words, uh, a man should not be able to marry a man legally Amen. in the United States or a woman a woman. It's Amen. just not acceptable, and it's against the law of Almighty God. And, and until abortion, Roe versus Wade, is, is overturned in this nation, and until uh, marriage is viewed as God views it, and the same-sex marriage thing is overturned. And until God is welcomed back into the public square and into the public school, the judgment of God will pend on this nation. Amen. And I've been saying that for years. Now, I love the United States of America. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And uh, all of that, certainly. And uh, But I tell you what... Uh, 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 the, the, these sins are unacceptable, and uh, all sins unacceptable, but these are grievous things, abominable to the Lord, and until these things are squared up in this nation, uh, the judgment of God will pend on it. And uh, I think if anybody looks around over the last many years, you can see the judgment of God pending on the nation and manifesting itself in different ways. And uh, the Spirit of God said to us here in this sanctuary many months ago that uh, you'd see one wave of, of calamity here in this nation right after the next. I don't know if anybody remembers me prophesying that. But since I prophesied that many, many, many months ago, it's been probably over a year ago, you've seen that in this nation. And you'll see it. You'll continue to see it. The judgment of God pens and uh, he's waiting for this nation to repent. And I believe there's still time to repent, but I believe that window is closing. And uh, 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 so we need to keep the United States in our prayers. And uh, uh, 
Anyway, it was a terrible thing what Ahaz did. And notice now, now notice this, Judah was doing very well. Uh, Uzziah and Jotham had brought it back to, uh, to like I said, to the, to the kind of the glory days of where David and Solomon had it. But now you're going to see what happens to Judah as a result of, of what's going on here. Now notice verse 4. And Ahaz sacrificed, this is Second Chronicles 28 verse 4, and he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills and under every green tree. I, I don't understand that. Therefore, verse 5, the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria. See, that's what happens. He delivered him. You see that, and we'll talk about this when we talk about Manasseh in, in, in a couple of weeks. King Manasseh, how God will deliver somebody over into the hands of the enemy. Over in the, he'll deliver somebody over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. In the hopes that they'll repent and their spirit will be saved, you know. And, uh, and, and that's what he's doing here. The Lord God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria. See, that's, what, that's, what, that's one of the forms of God's judgment. He'll deliver someone over into the hands of the enemy. And, uh, and, and that's, uh, there's many forms of God's judgment. You know, the Bible says that, uh, I put it in my own words, that the people of God don't understand or know the judgments of the Lord. And, uh, you know, I've learned this about the judgment of God. Sometimes people can think, Christians can think that God's judging something and he's not, he's not judging it at all. You know, it's, it's just, it's just a result. Wages of sin is death or the devil's doing the attack or whatever and they'll blame it on God. But then there's other times where God is judging a situation and a lot of times people don't, don't have sense enough to realize when God's doing something or when the devil's doing something or when it's just the result of, uh, of, of the wages of sin is death. I taught a series on this some, some I don't know, year or two ago, I guess right after COVID hit and, and all of that, and it's on our archives. You can go back and listen to it. But uh, God delivered Ahaz into the hand of the king of Syria, and they defeated, uh, they defeated him and carried away a great multitude of them as captives and brought them to Damascus. Uh, then he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel who defeated him with a great slaughter. You see, you see where this, this sin and this uh, sacrificing children, burning them in the fire. I, I just want to say that again to anybody in here with children. Could you take your child up there, your grandchild up there and burn them in the, burn them in the fire? In, in, in worship to a, 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 a false god, which is really just the devil. Could you do that? I I, 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 I but uh, you see where, where now Israel, uh, I'm sorry, Judah, Judah is going gonna, is gonna to fall from its glory here because of this. And, uh, and, and, and I'll just, it bears repetition, you see this going on in the United States. You've seen a slow decline here in morals over the last many, many, many years, you know. Uh, all the way back into the, I guess, when Roe versus Wade was, was uh, legalized. I mean, from that day, early 70s, I guess. Think, think, 1973, things have been going downhill, you know, and, and you can see it. You look at look at television, and we've gone from from Leave It to Beaver to to The Simpsons, you know, and things like that. It's just moral decline. You can't even watch uh, you can't even watch a good clean television show anymore without the commercials coming on and have some kind of sexually explicit yeah. stuff yeah. pop up on the commercials, you know. Yeah. I mean, can't you see what's going on here in the nation? It's it's uh, it's it's uh, and there needs to be a turnaround. It really does. There needs to be repentance or there's going to be judgment like you haven't seen, uh, seen here to four. I like that here to four. I like saying that up till now. And uh, be that as it may. Uh, so that's what God did here. And you see there was great slaughter in Judah. Great slaughter. God delivered Ahaz over to Syria and Israel in the north the king of Israel, and so on and so forth. Now, it's interesting. God showed goodness to Ahaz. Now, now you wouldn't think that somebody that would walk up to a, to a golden idol like that and place Molech and place the baby in the, in, the, in the hands of that idol to have the baby burned, you wouldn't think that God would show goodness. Now, we see that God is judging here and delivering Ahaz over, but you know... Uh, uh, let me put it this way. A lot of times when God, ju- when God judges, his, his intention is to get people to repent. And, and, and you really can see the goodness of God 
in his judgment because his judgment is trying to get people to repent. And you can study the Bible and you can see when God starts judging somebody and they repent, then that judgment will, will cease and stop. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and so along with him delivering, uh, Ahaz over to the enemy, he's also, if, if, if you read, if we read, other verses here, we could see it, that God is showing goodness to Ahaz. But the thing of it is, Ahaz keeps rejecting God's goodness. And uh, I don't understand that either. I mean, but yet he is. But don't you, we can learn something about God. God is a good God, isn't he? And even when people spit in his face and do horrible and mean, ugly things, he still loves them and shows goodness to him. You know, he really does. And uh, he's long-suffering, and he puts up with a lot of things, uh, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. And, uh, and, and, and right in the midst of people's bad behavior, he keeps loving them. And anyway, uh, it's interesting. Uh, at one point, God sent the prophet Isaiah to this evil king Ahaz, and remember, uh, I've shown you again and again as we've gone through here that God has ministers, prophets, people that he'll send to folk to try to get them back on track and to try to help them, you know. And, uh, uh, and it's interesting when God sends Isaiah here to Ahaz, this is Isaiah 7 verse 2 in the New Living Translation. Uh, it says here, the new, and, and the news had come to the royal court of Judah... So news came to Ahaz, and it says, Syria is still allied with Israel against us. So the hearts of the king and his people trembled with fear, like trees shaking in a storm. So, so Ahaz and, and Judah was in a place where, where the enemy armies coming against him and all of that. And uh, it, it's interesting, God sent Isaiah to him, and... When Isaiah showed up, verse 3 says, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, and then he went and he met with Ahaz. But verse 4, interesting, interesting. God told Ahaz through Isaiah, tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear. Now that's good advice for all of us, isn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't think that God would have this kind of... Uh, I, a compassion, I mean, I, I know he's bringing judgment. What, what did I already say? That when God brings judgment, it, it, you can see his love and compassion in it if you, if you look at it right, that he's trying to get Ahaz to turn. Okay? And, uh, but yet, you know, I, I guess if I was sending a message to Ahaz, I'd want to beat him over the head with something for the stuff he's doing. Wouldn't you? Yeah. But God, I mean, God is love, you know? And, uh, and, and he says, tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear. I mean, that, that's, that's something that, uh, that's something we can learn, from, learn about God. He's so good. And even when, when you would think he would be sending a message to Ahaz to just absolutely, you know, just, just, just rake him over the coals, God still has gracious words for such an evil man. Let's learn a lesson about God there. That even when people do us evil and do us harm, let's, let, let's, let, let's have gracious words and gracious actions towards those people. Uh, the Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we're capable to love people the way God loves them, you know. And then I've also learned this too. You know, Jesus said when we're smote on one cheek to turn the other also, you know. And, uh, and I, when I first read that years ago, I thought, well, we're just going to be a punching bag for the world. But I learned this as time went on, that when somebody slaps us on, smites us on the one cheek, if we'll turn, them, turn to them the other cheek also, then uh, see, see, if somebody hits us on the cheek and we put on our boxing gloves and we got to do our fighting for ourselves. But if we'll turn the other cheek, then guess what? God will put on his boxing gloves. And fight for us. Now, if we don't turn the other cheek, God's not going to do our boxing for us. We're on our own. 
But I tell you what, if we'll turn the other cheek, then God will put his boxing gloves on and he'll go to fight for us. Amen. And you know, when he gets, when he starts fighting with somebody, first thing he tries to do is he tries to get them to repent, you know, and tries to get them to change. And, and uh, now if they won't change, then that's a different story. And then eventually he'll deal more severely with them. But we need to turn the other cheek. And, and uh, you know, I've never shared this, this story on the social media before, but I'll share it now. I was playing racquetball many years ago with a friend of mine. And in racquetball, you know, you know, you can, I can get pretty rambunctious out there. And, and my friend, he, he hit a, he hit, he hit a racket, he hit one of those balls, those racket balls, you know, and he hit me on the behind, on the right backside, the right cheek. And just, it smarted. And, uh, and, and, and he had, earlier before, you know, we got to that, he had hit me a few times, like in the back of the head or in the back, you know. He wasn't doing it on purpose. It was just, that's a rambunctious game. And so this was about the third time he hit me and he nailed me right there in the right, the back right cheek, you know. And I got angry. I got, it takes a lot to make me angry. But I got angry and I tell you what, I, I turned around and I took my goggles off and I threw my racket down and I, I rushed right up to him. And I was red in the face and I was, I was mad as a wet hornet. And, you know, I was just about ready. To, I wasn't going to do anything physical to him, but I was going to give him a piece of my mind. Yeah. And, and he was a church member, you know, and, and I got right up to him and he said, my pastor, my pastor. He said, don't you know that Jesus would tell you to turn the other cheek? <laughs> so. That calmed me down. You know, what are you going to do? I mean, he quoting scripture right there, you know, after he smote me on the right cheek. And so I put my goggles back on, you know, and everything and got back up there. And within just 30 seconds, he smote me on the other one. and just hit me. He didn't do it on purpose, but he just hit me. And that was the end of it. We just we stopped the game right there. I had enough. <laughs> it's a little funny story there. But, uh, but I don't know how I got off on all that. But anyway. Uh, we need to we need to be like God and uh, and uh, and show love towards people, even when they're acting unbecomingly. And that's what you see God doing here. But something else I wanted to uh, to read to you here in Isaiah chapter seven. If, if you read verses two, three, four in the New Living Translation, you could read on down sometime there. But it's interesting. God is is telling Ahaz some things here and, and ways that he wants to help him. And whatnot, but I want you to look at the last part of verse nine. I, I think it's significant, as what he he told him, and the way it reads in the New Living Translation, I think is very powerful. God tells Ahaz this. He says he's, he's just told him some things that he wants to do, do for him and whatnot. He says, "Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm." Now, 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 we need to learn something right there. Unless your faith is firm. God says, I cannot make you stand firm. And we learn yet another lesson about the importance of faith. What is faith? Faith is trusting in God with all your heart, believing in God and believing his word with all your heart. But we learn a lesson here that, that you know, God told him that if his faith wasn't strong, God couldn't make him stand strong. Well, I thought God could do anything. Well, well, yeah, God can do, he can do anything, all right, but he operates in confines, in the confines of his word and the way he set things up. Do you remember when Jesus, now he had the greatest healing ministry of all, right, that's ever, that this earth has ever seen, but remember, the Bible said in his hometown in Nazareth, it said he could do there. It didn't say he wouldn't, said he could do no mighty work, do, do no mighty work. Didn't say he wouldn't, said he couldn't. Didn't say he wouldn't, said he couldn't. And then it said he tried to, and, 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 and he couldn't. Now, we're talking about God in the flesh, and he could do no mighty work. I mean, he went into these other places and performed all these mighty miracles. He went into his hometown, and he could do there no mighty work. And, and you say, well, well, I thought God could do anything. Well, well... <laughs> You know, yes, he's, he's omnipotent, all-powerful, but he operates in, within the confines of his word, you see. And so why couldn't Jesus heal people in his hometown with that mighty power that he was anointed with? And it's clear, it was, the Bible brings it out, it was because of their what? Their unbelief, which is just another way of saying their lack of faith. You see, so if we don't have faith, 
If we don't believe God with all of our hearts, if we, if we don't have faith, then, uh, then God can't make us stand firm. So we need to have faith and God will then make us stand firm. But if we don't have faith in him, just read it right here. He says, I cannot make you stand firm. And so we need to have we need to have Bible faith, don't we? You know, and, and, you know, just this, this little story came to me. I've shared it before, but I've never shared it on social media. How can how can you know if you really have Bible faith? Well, you know, there is a real faith and there is a there is a there is a dead faith, isn't there? The Bible talks about a real faith and a feigned or a fake faith, you know, and uh, I don't want to have fake faith there. You know, there's something that looks like faith, smells like faith, you know, you know, tastes like faith, but it's not faith. And, you know, that's cost some people their lives. Did you know that they thought they were in faith and they weren't? It cost them their lives. Did you know that? And so we need to be sure that we have real Bible faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not perceived with the physical senses. It's believing God's word as final authority, whether you can see it, whether you can smell it, whether you can taste it, hear it, touch it, all of that. You understand. And uh, uh, just believe in God. Uh, but, but I think that uh, uh, the best way to know whether or not you have real Bible faith is that example that I've shared over the years, but I want to share it on social media about the fellow that was at, uh, he was at Niagara Falls, you know, the Horseshoe Falls, you know, and they had, they had a big tightrope out across that from one side to the other, you know, and, and, and there was a guy with a wheelbarrow, you know, and, uh, and, and he was, he was, he, the wheelbarrow was empty and he was walking from all the way across from one side of that falls to the other, you know, on that, on that, there was a tightrope and he had that wheelbarrow and he was walking, he was pushing that wheelbarrow and he did it like, he did it like 10 times. And the people were watching, you know, and, and, and he just back and forth, back and forth, and he's pushing that wheelbarrow back and forth. And, uh, and so after he did it the 10th time, we're talking about what is real faith, he, 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 he pushes that wheelbarrow on that tightrope, he comes down, he comes up to this guy. There are many people there watching, but he comes up to this one guy, and he says, uh, he says to this guy, he says, uh, he says, do you believe that I can, uh, can, can, can walk across there without falling? And the guy said, yeah, yeah. I just saw you do it 10 times. He says, do you believe I can do it again? And the guy said, yeah, I just saw you do it 10 times. And then the fellow pushing the wheelbarrow says to the guy, well, hop in the wheelbarrow and let's go. Now, if you're willing to hop in that wheelbarrow, that's a sign that you've got real Bible faith. There's a lot of people won't hop in the wheelbarrow. If you're not willing to hop in a wheelbarrow, you don't have Bible faith. I don't know if that, uh, 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 if you got what I was saying there, but I think that's a great illustration. And I tell you what, the only way I'm going across that falls with somebody pushing a wheelbarrow is if Jesus is pushing a wheelbarrow. I'm not going across it unless he's pushing it. But if he, but you see, would you get, would you get in a wheelbarrow if Jesus is pushing it? Well, well, then you, then you're in good shape then, you see. Amen. But I wouldn't get in there if anybody else was pushing it, but he's pushing it. But you know, that's just it. Do you have real Bible faith? Are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow? There's a lot of people say they have faith. They, they you know, they, they think they've got faith. But until you're, until you're willing to get in that wheelbarrow, you know what I mean? Then, then you're not, then, then God's not going to be able to, he, you know, if you don't get in the wheelbarrow, he's not going to be able to push you across that falls. Is that right? right. On that rope. So, so, uh, but he said to Ahaz, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. So let's keep firm faith in the word of God. And then God will make us to stand firm. Now, it's interesting, and I'm not going to get in and say anything other than I just want to mention it because I believe it's worth mentioning. But if you went on and read in Isaiah 7, you remember at Christmas time when and we talk about how, you know, how the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Well, if you read on in, in Isaiah 7, uh, that's where that's taken from. And, and God actually presented that. To Ahaz and the, and the house of Israel, they're in this story, if you read on down. Now, I'm not going to take the time to get into all that, but I think it's worth, it's worth listening to. And uh, it's, it's worth mentioning. It's worth reading if you have the time. But that's where that comes from when uh, God was dealing with Ahaz. And much we could say about it. But, you know, something else that, 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 that I was thinking about here with Ahaz 
is really, it's interesting, God preached through Isaiah the virgin birth to Ahaz, and he didn't believe it. You know, you can't be saved unless you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Did you know that? I mean, you have to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin to be, to be, to be a Christian. You have to believe that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, tempted in all points like we are yet without sin, that he died on that old rugged cross for you and for me as the spotless Son of God, the Lamb of God, all right? And uh, he shed his holy blood for you and for me, that he died there and that he was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead. And if you believe that, I tell you what, you'll be saved. You'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, you know? Amen. But, uh, but we're talking about the virgin birth. You know, you have to believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the virgin birth. Do you believe in the virgin birth? I believe in there's only one that was ever born of a virgin. His name is Jesus, you know. Amen. But anyway, I, I like that when, when, when uh, God told Ahaz, this evil king, he said, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. So I want to encourage everybody to have firm faith in the word of God, and then God will make you stand firm. Now notice, let's go on here just a little while yet. Uh, 2 Chronicles 28, 19. Uh, now, now notice here, 2 Chronicles 28, 19, all this sin that was going on, this child sacrifice and everything. For the Lord brought Judah low, or he humbled them. Now they were doing real well, but they got off into sin. The king, the king let them off into sin. You know who our leaders are is all important. Did you know that? I mean, I mean, but now we shouldn't make a God out of our leaders. I said we shouldn't make a God out of our leaders. But who our leaders are, are important. And we should support our leaders, our political leaders and all of that. And, uh, and, and pray for them. But if they're, in, but if they're in, doing sin, we shouldn't be supportive of that. No. <laughs> you know, but be that as it may. Our, our leaders are important. And uh, notice Second Chronicles 28, 28, 19. For the Lord brought Judah low. Why? Because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. Wow. Now let me conclude here in Second Chronicles 28. Go on about another five or six minutes. Uh, in the process of time, uh, the king of Assyria attacked King Ahaz. Okay? And, uh, and notice here in 2 Chronicles 28, verse 21 in the New Living Translation, Ahaz took valuable items from the Lord's temple, the royal palace, and from the homes of his officials and gave them to the king of Assyria as tribute, but this did not help him. So he's being attacked. Now Ahaz, king of Judah, is being attacked by the king of Assyria, who's a type of the devil. The devil's attacking him. And uh, Ahaz, he, he goes and he gets valuable items from the Lord's temple and the royal palace and from the homes of his officials and gave them to this evil king of Assyria to try to get him to stop his attack and it did not help Ahaz. Let me say this. Never negotiate with the devil. Never negotiate with the devil. He cannot be trusted. So do not negotiate with the devil. Do, never, do, do not ever cut a deal with the devil. All right? Just don't do it. But that's what Ahaz was trying to do. And notice verse 22. Even during this time of trouble, King Ahaz continued to reject the Lord. Now listen. You know, when you get in trouble, that's not a time to, to be rejecting the Lord. But it's interesting that even, even during this time of trouble, when, when the enemy was attacking, King Ahaz continued to reject the Lord. Now, it's interesting, I'll say this. I'm of the opinion, and I, I, if, if Ahaz would have repented and turned to the Lord, God could have made quick work and disposed of this king of Assyria in no time. But Ahaz... You know, you got to watch your heart. Your heart, you can go on in disobedience so long that your heart becomes hardened and calloused. And I think that's what had happened to Ahaz. And even in time of trouble, he continued to reject the Lord. Verse 23, he offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him. For he said, and we saw this with an earlier king. He said, since these gods helped the kings of Aram, they'll help me too. If I sacrifice to them, but instead they led to his ruin and the ruin of all Judah. I mean, I mean, 
I don't understand what, what some of these kings are thinking, you know. They see somebody have a victory and they think it's because their false god was helping them, so they're going to bow down to the false god. I don't understand that. But several of the kings did that. He did the same thing. Notice verse 24. The king took the various articles from the temple of God and broke them into pieces. Now this is not good, what's going to happen here. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple so that no one could worship there, and he set up altars to pagan gods in every corner of Jerusalem. He shut down the church. He closed the church. Well, I say the church, the temple, it would be like to us, the church. He, he shut down the doors of the Lord's temple. Isn't that something? I mean, he's making all kinds of mistakes here. In verse 25, he made pagan shrines in all the towns of Judah for the offering of sacrifices to other gods. In this way, he aroused the anger of the Lord. I, I, absolutely. He was an idolater, wasn't he? You know, now, now we sit here and we think we'd never, we'd never do such a thing as be an idolater. But if you let anything become more important to you than God, you put anything ahead of God in your life, it's an idol to you. Well, we got, we've got to be so careful. We've got to be so careful. We have to be so careful with idolatry. Uh, if you read uh, the, the letters John wrote to the church, uh, he, he said, my, my little children, keep yourselves from idols. The Holy Ghost warning us again and again. We've got to keep ourselves from idols. The United States has become a land of idolatry. It really has. And uh, uh, we, we really need to be watchful of it. The United States has become a pornographic nation. I, you know, I, I like what one, one preacher said, and it's, it's right. He said that when he was growing up, he's about my age, and he, he said when he was growing up, uh, water was free and you had to pay for pornography. And now it's just the opposite. Yeah. Do you ever think about that? I mean, you, when we're growing up, you had to, you, you, water was free and you had to pay for pornography. Now, pornography, apparently, it's free everywhere, just about. You can get anywhere for free, but you've got to pay for water bottles. You know, my mother, if, if, if she would have ever seen me go into a store and buy a bottle of water, now, she only spanked me one time with a fly swatter, a couple of swats. But if she'd ever seen me go into a store and buy a bottle of water, I think she'd whip me. I, I do. I mean, I do. there's no way she's ever going in nowhere and buying no water. She had a good well over there. She's well water, man. That's some good drinking, man. She's not buying. My mother's not buying no water. <laughs> I mean, but today, most people, they buy their water, don't they? They're drinking water and whatnot, you know. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the United States, think about it. Yeah, you, 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 apparently, pornography, you can get it for free, but, uh, uh, but you, you buy your water. I mean, the nation's in trouble, dear friends. So the nation's in trouble. There needs to be a revival. We're going to see a great revival. A revival broke out in Judah. Uh, 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 we'll see it next week under Hezekiah. You know, under the right leadership, the right leadership, you can have revival. You really can. And uh, we'll say more about that next week. But, uh, but, but he's setting up idols all over the place. Ahaz is. Ahaz is. <laughs> Ahaz is. He's setting up all these idols. He shut down the temple. It just... It just bad stuff going on. But actually, I'll, I'll close with this. What happened, uh, what happened was, is um, he went to Damascus at one point, and he saw an altar there, a heathen altar. Okay? And this, this, this was really before he shut the church, the, the temple down. Uh, that happened a little later. I already read it, but it happened a little later. But what I want to close with this. He had gone to, to Syria, and he saw this altar. And he really liked it. It caught his eye. And he sent back word to the priest and he told the priest, he, he, said, he said, build an altar just like this one and we're going to move the articles of the temple out. We're going to put uh, this altar in, this, this heathenistic altar from Syria. And so this was before he actually shut the, sh shut the temple down. He had this altar constructed and he moved the articles of, of, of God out and just he, he, he brought this heathenistic, idol idolatrous uh, uh, altar into the, into the temple of the Lord. And he began to burn incense on it. And look at 2 Kings 16.15. I'm going to read this in the NIV. 2 Kings 16.15. King Ahaz then gave these orders to Uriah the priest. 
He said, on the large new altar, offer the morning burnt offering and the evening grain offering, the king's burnt offering and his grain offering and the burnt offering and so on and so forth, and their grain offering and so on and so forth. But then he says, sprinkle on the altar all the blood of the burnt offerings. And so he said, we're, gonna, we're not going to use the articles of God anymore. We're going to use this new thing. And then he says this, but I will use the bronze altar for seeking guidance. He kept one item that was authentic. He kept one item that was authentic. He removed all of God's furniture except this bronze altar for him to seek guidance. And, and I'm closing with this because I want to make this point. He kept just enough. Now this was before it closed down, before he closed the temple down. He kept just enough of that which was God to keep it of God but nothing else was God. Now you say, well, that was kind of a tongue twister there. But you know, I, I, I've observed, I, I have a hat at home, it's got an O on it, you know. And it means observer, I'm an observer. Now I've observed churches in the United States. Now not all of them, but, but a lot of them. And, uh, and, and that's why this story jumped out at me, this, 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 this incident here. Is because for years now... My wife and I, we, we've had our O-hats on. I need to buy her an O-hat too. But, uh, so we each have one. But, but I've watched in a lot of churches, and we, we've commented before to one another. It, 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 it looks, it, it, it really doesn't look like the house of God anymore. A lot of these churches. I'm talking about these media churches. Now, not all of them, but a lot of them. It, it, we've said to one another, we've commented. It, 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 it looks more like a nightclub than it does a... Uh, than it does a church. It, more, it looks more like a financial uh, seminar than it, than it does a church. It looks, it looks more like a, a, a discotheque than it does a, a church. You know, you go there and it's like a discotheque and, and, uh, and, and, and they're teaching you how to be rich and how to prosper. And nothing wrong with prospering, but I mean, that's the preponderance of what it is. It's just like a discotheque and a nightclub and a you can't tell the difference between are you watching The Voice on, on, on NBC or are you, are you watching a, a church service. You, you know, you can't tell the difference. It's the same atmosphere. But yet, but yet the churches, they'll, 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 they'll read a scripture or two just enough to make everybody think it's, it's okay, that it's really of, of the Lord and it's Bible-based. I think there's a great danger in that your friends here in the United States. You have churches that looks like a church. I'm sorry, it doesn't look like a church. It looks like a discotheque. It doesn't look like a church. It looks like a discotheque. It looks like a financial seminar. They're always telling you how to get rich and prosper and this and that and the other. You know, they're having marriage seminars where nothing wrong with that. We, I teach on marriage seminars sometimes. I, I do that. But I'm not going to teach on a marriage seminar where my wife and I are laying in a bed up, up in, 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 in front. We're not going to do that. We're not having that kind of an atmosphere. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we need to teach on these different things. We need to teach on... I, I, I've taught many messages on prospering and, and, and how to prosper. And, and God wants us to prosper. But if, if that, if, you've got to watch the motive. If we're just teaching on that to... To, to be successful. I mean, we all want to be successful, but there's more in life than just success unto itself. Can anybody say amen? amen? And so what I've observed in a lot of these churches in the United States, and it breaks my heart, is that they've kept just enough of the Bible in there to say it's Bible-based, it's a church, but when you look at it, it's, I question whether it is or not. Is it a church or is it a discotheque? Is it a church or is it a nightclub? Is it a church or have we gone to a financial seminar? Is it a church or is it just, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I think a church ought to be a church. Is it a church or is it a, is it a donut shop? Is it a church or is it a Starbucks? I think a church ought to be a church. I said, I think a church ought to be a church. And we can deal with these other things. We can, we can, have, a, we can have coffee. We can have donuts. And we, can, we can teach on marriage. We can teach on prosperity. We can do that. But, 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 but the main thing is we ought, to have, we ought to be teaching the Bible. What have I done here for this whole lesson here today? One scripture right after the next. And I didn't even really use a whole lot of scriptures. But that's why you ought to come to church. The main reason is to worship God and hear the word of God be taught. 
and then, of course, have fellowship and then have the donuts and all that. But that should be secondary. Can anybody say amen to that? And that's what Ahaz did. He got rid of all. He got rid of everything else. But he just kept one article for himself that, yeah, this is the temple of the Lord. But he got rid of everything else and brought in a bunch of idolatrous things. And guess what eventually happened? It shut down. And so I'm concerned for what the end result is going to be in the United States of this, what's called this entertainment gospel. And it's been thriving for a long time. And it's still thriving even as I speak. Thriving. But I'll tell you this much, as a representative of Almighty God, eventually God's going to judge that. And eventually that's going to fall. And when it does, it's, it's going to come down with a crash and a bang. It's going to be like Humpty Dumpty, all the king's horses and all the king's men. Ain't going to be able to fix Humpty again. And that thing's going to fall and it's going to crash. It's going to be a big crash. And it's very sad when you have churches in the United States where the man of God stands in the pulpit and teaches the word of God. One verse right after the next. One verse right after the next. Teaching the word of God. Flowing with the Holy Spirit. And those kinds of churches are being closed down. And the entertainment gospel is thriving. You can see why the nation is in the shape that it's in. Because as goes, goes the church and the pulpit, so goes the nation. And so we need to pray for the United States. We need to pray for the pulpits of America. And my prayer is, is that the pulpits of America would again be ablaze with the preaching of the Word of God and the flowing of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, I, I'm leaving you on kind of a down note here today with Ahaz, but he eventually died, went to hell. I said he went to hell. There's no, I, I see nothing in the Scripture that, that shows otherwise. Sad, isn't it? And they didn't even bury him in a, in a decent spot with the other kings. But... But next week, his son is going to rise up, and his name is Hezekiah, and he's going to do some house cleaning. I tell you what, we need some Hezekiahs to rise up in this land. I said we need some Hezekiahs to rise up in this land. We need some political Hezekiahs to rise up, and we need some, some, some preaching Hezekiahs to rise up in this land. And he cleaned house. I mean, he flat cleaned house, and all, of his, all that his evil daddy had done, he cleaned it up, and he cleaned it good. And, and we'll get into that next week. So anyway, hope you've enjoyed this today. God bless you. If you're watching me on social media and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to do so. Repent of your sins. Have a change of heart, change of mind. Turn from the way you've been going and turn to God. Okay? And then cry out to Jesus. Call on his name. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>